0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan and join me as we step into Deadpool 2 in today's review episode. Starting to feel like we get a big blockbuster comic book movie almost every other week. Uh, Or something akin to that. Uh, Infinity War came out three weeks before this, and we have Solo coming out this coming week. Um, But today we're talking about Deadpool Two, the sequel to, I think, uh, you know, one of the not not the first, but like, considering the climate we were living in back in 2016, a very shocking departure from the typical comic book movie. It's R-rated. Deadpool is a character that can break the fourth wall. And, uh, it, it was just not taking itself quite so seriously, it was making a lot of jokes at other comic book movies' expenses, uh, particularly the X-Men universe, to, me, to name a few. So, uh, it was pretty much, it was kind of a game-changer, uh, when it came out, it was a, got a lot of buzz, everyone was really excited, it came out over Valentine's Day weekend, uh, I know I went and saw it, uh, um, Sunday that week, Sunday on that weekend, and, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, especially seeing it in a big crowd and gr- crowd and in theater like that. But having watched the first Deadpool recently for a second time, uh, it doesn't quite hold up that well. I-, I think the writing isn't as good as a lot of people thought it was, and more of the jokes missed than I remembered them missing, uh, or at least weren't funny. So I don't know. It doesn't for me. It wasn't a film that really ages that well, and so it might you know, it might continue to age poorly as time goes on, but uh, the novelty of it was still amusing, and the novelty of it still still works, so it's not a complete misfire. It's still a successful and and solid movie all around, but um, despite the fact that it's lampooning all these other superhero movies, comic book movies, it still suffers from a lot of the problems they do, you know, bad villains, um, underwritten story uh you know things you know not not the best score things like that so hopefully everyone was kind of hoping Deadpool 2 could could correct some of that stuff especially now that we've kind of established this character we've made we've realized that this kind of a character can work and be successful in the theater and in a movie so you really you know Ryan Reynolds really had the chance to really stretch his stretch his wings in the sequel and I think he does. I, so for me, I think the sequel does improve on the first film. I think the jokes land more often than the fir- they do in the first film. I think the story is a little bit better in this one than in the first film. And I think the characters, just uh, the ensemble as a whole, is stronger in this film than the second, or than the first one. Uh, you introduce Cable, you introduce Domino. Um, you just... You, you you give some of the bit characters a little bit more to do, like Soni, who's the the taxi driver, and uh, even Colossus gets, I think, in my opinion, a little more to do in this movie than in the first. And Cable, I mean, Cable is Cable is pretty pretty awesome. I I prefer Josh Brolin as Cable than I than as Thanos. At the moment, uh, we'll see how their second movies go, but after their first after their first times out uh in in these care in these characters I, I definitely prefer Thanos as I definitely prefer Brolin as cable uh, and Domino was fantastic in this movie uh Beetz beats killed it uh I personally think she was uh, my my mo- the most interesting character in the movie I would love to see her headline a movie or I know x-force is already announced so I'd love to see her kind of take more of a leading role in that movie, because I think she she was awesome, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of her character. So, general plot, you know, the first movie, it's about Wade Wilson, Deadpool, getting revenge on the guy who turned him into what he is, and hopefully, in his mind, uh, reversing at least the cosmetic appearance of of ugliness that he perceives himself to be. And that movie ends with him returning to Vanessa, and uh, having a shakily ally, ally, shaky alliance with the X Men, or in this case, just Colossus and Teenage Negasonic Warhead, and finally, just kind of being happy, and and happy. And so, in the sequel, the sequel starts. We were he's explaining to us that he's been all over the world, killing and just. Uh, Bad guys for this this reason that reason we're not really sure why just killing bad guys and uh, the opening of the movie starts out on a pretty pretty awful um the, the term um fridging so not crystal skull fridging but the idea that you you take away you kidnap you kill uh, someone really close to our your main character just to give them, uh, the incentive to, to, to follow through with a story. And sometimes, you know, you, you know, if you have, say, Superman up against, you know, your most arch nemesis of all time, like Alex Luthor, and they kill Superman's girlfriend or, or best friend or whatever, uh, yeah that's sort of that's still fridging but it, it's different because obviously this person's arch nemesis would want to do something like that because it's that's the whole point but um it, it's a bit more problematic when it's a character that doesn't really have that big of a vendetta against our main character when uh, it's more of an accident that somebody gets hurt or dies that is close to the main character and so, in that instance, it's more the writers and and in this and as a movie directors and producers and all that kind of stuff. It's more the, their fault that something like that is happening. So, uh, you know, y- you can look at something like Batman. Uh, the Batman's parents dying is an example of this, where you know, it was kind of an accident that they're even dead in the first place, and it's it wasn't supposed to happen that way, and it was mostly just the writers saying, okay, we need an incentive and a reason for this kid to turn into Batman, and so we have one. That Something like that happens in the beginning of Deadpool too, and there there's probably, it's definitely one of my least favorite choices that the movie makes, um, if not my, I think the only thing I would say was Less desirable than that choice is the fact that they didn't find a way to edit out T.J. Miller at all, uh, because it seems like you could really do that quite easily in a movie where your character breaks the fourth wall. But hey, they they chose not to. Um, so, other than that, uh, my my least favorite decision was the fridging uh, of in that happened in this early on in this movie, and I won't say who it is, and I won't say you know, the extent to what happens with them, but it, it it's frustrating. It's frustrating because the first movie features a, uh, some, I don't know, I, I think a lot of the supporting cast of the first movie did a good job, uh, particularly Al, Dead, uh, Deadpool's roommate, uh, Marina Bakarin, who plays Vanessa, and You know, Colossus, Teenage Negasonic Warhead, um, all those guys. I think they did a great job. And some of them are not given a lot of time in the sequel uh, to make way for new characters. And that's okay. But, like, Teenage Negasonic Warhead gets very, very little screen time in Deadpool 2. And she was really not given a lot in the first movie either. And I think that a a lot of people like really wanted more from her and we didn't get it and that was kind of a disappointment, but in the movie, Deadpool creates the X-Force in its first iteration, uh, featuring the likes of Terry Crews and, uh, you know, all these kind of people with uh, Bill Skarsgård, who played uh, Pennywise in It, which, you know, is a nice little team, Uh, you know, it's where we're introduced to Domino. And we get a, I thought really funny scene where Deadpool and Domino argue about whether luck is a superpower. It one hundred percent is. And so instead of like revisiting older characters and in, from the first movie and getting to know more about them, you get to learn all about all these new characters and get get inside of them a little bit more. But the the true point of this movie hinges on two specific characters, and those are that's Cable, played by Josh Brolin, and. Uh, um Firefist played by Julian Julian Oh the guy from Hunt for the Wilder people the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People who is Julian Julian Oh come on Julian Dennison he plays Russell slash Firefist uh who is if you've seen any of the marketing material, he's in that. He is the chubby kid who is from New Zealand, and he has the ability to shoot fire out of his fist, and we're not really sure what extent of his powers are beyond that, but that's about enough to really get what's happening here. He kind of goes crazy early in the movie. Deadpool comes in to like stop him, restrain him, and uh, they both end up getting sent to... The ice box, which is kind of like a prison for mutants, so you end up with this kid who I thought was pretty interesting. I I wish, given the direction his character heads, I think they didn't do a they could have done a little bit more work on his backstory and his character and who he is. But I think all things equal, he they do a better job characterizing him than a lot of the people in the first movie. So that is what it is. And with Cable, you know, he travels back in time. His story, uh, really does connect with, um, both Deadpool and, uh, Fire Fist and how, and how all that all turns out. I I like, I like the finale. I like the ending of the movie, most of it. Um, but Berlin, I think is great as Cable. Uh, I know when the first movie ended and people were speculating who would play Cable, and at then the movie when he <laughs> Kira Knightley was suggested, I was really excited for that decision. I thought that would have been a really cool way to go. But Brolin does some good, good work here. He is he ha, he has that rugged look that you would expect from a, a character like Cable, who has traveled back in time, is on a revenge mission of his own, and seeks to change the timeline, he's seeking to change uh, the future, or for him, the present, and that conflicts with Deadpool and and Domino and and all the others in a pretty fun way. Uh, A lot of the sequences are really interesting, and when you, like, you know, he's not really the bad guy, he's as much of a bad guy as Deadpool is, you know, he kills people, he's working against, you know, at any time he could be working against you or working with you, and it's mostly just about figuring out his motivations to get, figure out exactly where he falls on that spectrum. And it's interesting. It's nice to have a movie where kind of don't really have a strict villain in that sense. You know, at any, at some points in time, you know, villain, the villain is is Cable, and at other points of time, it's not. And I, I like that. I like that it doesn't, you know, how can you solve a problem like having a poorly written villain? Well, by making no one in your movie the true villain, uh, actually. Uh, outside of that, there are a ton of cameos in this movie. Uh, I can get into a lot more of them uh, in the statistics episode, but uh, I, I really... One of them is absolutely f- hilarious. Actually, I think all of them are very funny. Uh, one of them is buried under so much prosthetic and makeup that I did not recognize them at first. Uh, and that was a real shock when I saw that person listed in the credits afterwards. So, a lot of cameos. Um, some, a ton, just more cameos than I'm, I think, there have been in a movie since, I don't know, like the disaster artist maybe, but not for the bad, not for the bad. I think a lot of them, most of them are funny. I think the one, there's two rednecks in the movie that interact with Cable at one point. I, I found that interaction and that, that cameo sequence not terribly interesting, but I think most, all the other ones really worked for me on one level or another. The action in this movie better than the first Deadpool, definitely. The action is solid. Cable gets some great action scenes. Domino gets some great action scenes, and uh, Deadpool does great action. Does good action. You, it, it feels a lot more physical, a lot more up close and personal in this movie than it does in the first movie. I think they really stepped it up. They stepped up their game with the action. Uh, which is probably a credit to David Leitch be coming on as the director, as he is an action choreographer and stuntman and stunt coordinator on other movies. Um, he directed some of the scenes in John Wick. He directed last year's Atomic Blonde, which, whatever you thought about the film itself, uh, the action in Atomic Blonde was incredible. Uh, he's been a stunt double according to his IMDB page for Brad Pitt five times and twice for Jean-Claude Van Damme. So he knows his way around some action, he knows his way around some stunts, and it shows. It comes off um real well and and works looks works out really well in, in Deadpool 2. Um what else can I talk about without spoiling things? Um and then kind of, maybe we'll, we will jump into spoilers in a minute. Um, let's see, anybody else listed down here on the cast list that I cannot give out, that I can give away. Movie has an end credit scene, uh, well, more like a mid credit scene. And for some reason, some, like this website I looked up, counted counted that there were five end credit scenes in Deadpool 2. I would not separate. There's like four sequences that are combined into one. And I think that they are just, that's just one end credit scene. It's not like they're different things are happening in each one. It's more like this is Deadpool doing like doing things in a sequential order. And they're not different scenes. It's one scene, but that scene is pretty great. Uh, and, and what ultimately happens particularly the last two things that happened, I thought were really funny, and you don't see a movie do something like that, and I love that Deadpool uh, was able to do something like that, and I think that was a really really interesting choice and direction, and it worked for me. Something else that happens in this movie that I think I can, you know, uh, we're introduced to a way to negate the powers of mutants when they go to this prison, this icebox, because otherwise, you know, you could just break out probably fairly easily. So what so that's so what's interesting about that is if Deadpool doesn't have his powers he dies right because he has cancer and the only thing stopping the cancer is his superpower. but in my opinion, I think he should also lose the ability to break the fourth wall if he doesn't have his powers. I, I think th- that would be an interesting way to m- make that happen it doesn't happen, but I, I wish that it did, or, like, I wish I could even have tried to do it, like, you could have, like, I don't know, like, if your superpower is making, shooting fire out of your fists, uh, and you don't have your superpower anymore, you can still try to do it, because you're familiar with how that works, and you expect it to happen, it just doesn't, so I would have, it would have been, for me, I would have loved to see a scene with, Deadpool trying to talk to the audience and not being able to because he doesn't have the ability to. I don't know. I think I consider Breaking the Fourth Wall a character like a superpower of his because he's not, you know, it's not something everyone can do. And because of that, it's something unique to him. So that, in my opinion, makes it a superpower. So unless we're being told that it's not. A superpower, a mutant superpower And maybe it isn't But then, I don't know I, I think that would have been an, a fun fun way To approach something like that But that's not the direction Things go, as it turns out Um, Yeah, I don't know, we're gonna get into spoilers now I, I don't really know what else I can say Before before that, so if you haven't seen Deadpool 2 um, Stop listening And, and uh, if that's the case, thank you for listening this far and come back when you finish, because there's spoiler talk happy had. And we're going to jump into it right now. Any path so many worth exploring just one would be so boring and look what you're ignoring We are now in spoilers. One last uh, reminder before we get into it heavily. So, all these cameos. Let's talk about those first. You got so I mentioned the the Rednecks, uh, played by Alan Tudyk, and Matt Damon was not... I didn't notice that it was Matt Damon. And maybe if I, I checked again a second time, I would realize it. But first run-through, did not realize it was Matt Damon whatsoever. Uh, then The Vanisher, the reveal that The Vanisher is Brad Pitt. Loved that. I thought that was great. I hope he comes back, because Deadpool can go back in time and save him. So I would love to see Dead Brad Pitt as the Vanisher. I think that'd be amazing. And then you have the entire that brilliant cameo of like all the young event, all the young X-Men. Uh, there was Nicholas Holt and James McAvoy and Evan Peters, Ty Sheridan, uh, Alexander Shipp who plays Storm, and uh, Cody Smith McPhee as Beast, uh, or not uh, as Nightcrawler. Uh, we're all just in chilling in that room and trying to avoid Deadpool, which I loved. That was my favorite cameo moment of the movie. I thought that was great. Then you add on top of that the end credits. So you have um you first first we see that teenage Negasonic Warhead fixes the time travel device that uh, Cable has and at the end of the film has completely sapped of energy. She fixes it, Deadpool uses it, goes back in time, saves Miranda Baccarin from dying. Yeah, because she dies. So she's still alive in the movie. Then he goes over and saves Peter, and maybe more, maybe more than just Peter, but at least Peter. Peter's alive. Then he goes over and kills the Deadpool from X-Men Origins, played by him, and interacts with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, but strictly from X-Men Origins Wolverine, the movie, then he goes to himself before he signs the contract for Green Lantern and kills himself so that he doesn't take that job, which is made like love that the the meta it just got so meta there and that was fantastic. I loved it. It works for me. It was very funny. It fit perfectly as an end credit sequence. Uh, it gets progressively more crazy with each 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 successive time traveling saving of persons that he does, and I don't know, it it just worked for me, I laughed, I thought it was really funny, so most, like I said, most of the cameos I was totally on board with, I thought they did a really good job of fitting them into the movie without making them super overbearing, Uh, the whole fact that he assembles this X-Force team of Bedlam, and Peter, and Zeitgeist, Vanisher, Shatterstar, and is that it I think and then one by one they all die <laughs> and like just just because it's really windy and they're skydiving and their parachutes get caught and uh, that was great I loved it I I really enjoyed Julian Dennison as the villain he's kind of the main villain of this movie um, you don't realize that until maybe halfway through but he does become the villain of the movie and Uh, Definitely a better villain than Francis from Deadpool 1, but still not quite the standard that we've come to expect of the last few Marvel movies. But an improvement is an improvement. So Julian Dennison, Russell, Firefist, he frees, um, Juggernaut. So Juggernaut is like his partner for part of this movie. And Juggernaut is... We saw him played by um, Vinnie Jones in X-Men 3, Last Stand, I think. And he was fine. Uh, he he certainly got what movie he was in. It was a comic book movie he was playing. He was hammy. Uh, this, I wasn't a huge fan of, of, of Juggernaut in this movie. I'm not sure, you know, obviously he has a lot of history with Deadpool in the comics. But in the film, I thought he was fine. I don't know, you only really see him, you know, his, his ability is that he can't be stopped, I guess. And I think that doesn't really come into play much in the movie, which is odd. But it was fun, you know, seeing him fight Colossus, seeing him fight Deadpool and Domino and whoever else he interacts with, I really enjoyed. I think the fights were good, the fight scenes were good. And then moving on uh, to... to so um what's his, what's his name? Um Eddie Marsan who plays headmaster of this school which is where uh Firefist we far- first find Firefist he's destroying the school. We're not sure why and then we learn you know he's been beaten, he's been abused, staying there it's a space for mutants who it's kind of like a mutant con- like a mutant conversion school uh, analogous to like gay conversion therapy, and it's terrifying, it's awful. Uh, we find out later that Domino was there when she was younger, and that's that's really horrific, but the movie doesn't ever really spend a lot of time on that. It, it doesn't use it as a really interesting jumping-off point, and, and granted, like, that's more of an actual X-Men movie choice. You know, Deadpool 2 is far removed from real social commentary on that level. It's a completely different type of movie. So I'm not like punishing. I'm not, I'm not saying it shouldn't. Have. It should have gone out of its way to make a huge statement about gay conversion therapy because that's not what I w- expect in my Deadpool movie. But I do think it was treated very lightly. Uh, so I, I, mm, I don't know how I how you really feel about that. We're in a back room. Uh, I mentioned the fridging. She was fridged. Uh, She's killed early on and not intentionally. Uh, She is killed by accident because Deadpool throws cheese spreader at a villain and it deflects a bullet into her, killing her. So again, this is a writer's decision to kill her because it was not an intentional thing that a character did. And she then spends the rest of the movie as this force ghost. Telling, trying to explain to Deadpool what he needs to do to die. Kind of. Uh, not exactly die, but like just so that they can be reunited. But if that's gonna, ha- gonna happen, then he needs to die. Or at least that's what we're led to believe. Uh, ultimately, he's able to go back in time and actually save her. So she's alive. Uh, she dies in this movie. Then has almost no screen time after that, and then she's back to life, which I didn't like. Uh, that, again, like, that's one of, one of my two least favorite things about this movie, and it's really, it does not leave a good taste in your mouth. Um, yeah, we get other female characters to step up, like Domino, like Negasonic Teenage Warhead, like uh, Yukio, Blind Al, etc., but you know we already had a female character. Why did we have to get rid of her? If we wanted another female character, why can't we have multiple female characters uh, take as big of a role? Because Negasonic Teenage Warhead, like I mentioned, does not get a lot of screen time in this movie. Less than the first one, I think. Uh, Yukio, I like Yukio and I like her relationship with Deadpool, but she's not multi-dimensional. Blind Owl does not get a lot to do in this movie. Not I mean, it's the same kind of jokes that we had from her in the first movie. So <laughs> just poorly written, poorly written notion to get rid of Vanessa so early and, and try to make that not happen and, and to push her out of the way. I don't know. I didn't like it. I, I'm, we could have had it would have been so easy to write a reason for Deadpool to be involved in, in, in the first place. Um I just I think that was lazy. Lazy. Laziness. Uh but the the what I like one of the things I liked is that Um so so Firefist is the ultimate villain. Uh and but the difference is Cable has come back in time to kill him because he grows up and kills Cable's family. And the notion, Cable mentions, you know, he gets a, he kills Eddie Marsan's character, the director, the headmaster of the place that tortured, uh, Russell, and he's like, he kills him, and he gets a taste for it, and Deadpool's like, well, what if, what if we stop him from killing, right, what if we change his mind, and he doesn't kill people anymore, and he doesn't grow up to be that bad guy, and Cable's like, you know, fine, I'll give you 30 seconds kind of thing, but even still, I think one. I don't know why that the idea that Cable would say things like that and just like make it super easy for the fact that he time traveled to make it well we can just change what happens. Eh, and you know, and Deadpool calls out to us a lot of times. You know, this is foreshadowing. This is lazy writing. This is that. This is that. And I like those moments, but they don't fix the problem. You know, just calling out lazy writing doesn't mean your writing's not lazy. It's funny, kind of, but it doesn't change the fact that your writing's lazy. And that's... There's got to be a way to do that, right? There's got to be a way for Deadpool to critique itself for having problems that another movie have has, and then changing itself. To make it not have those problems. It's, I think, I wish Deadpool had a little more agency in that regard. So, if you're going to say, oh, that's lazy writing, and then somehow figure a way to change it, or make it not lazy, or figure out a way to approach something so that, you know, one of the specific things they call out being lazy is that uh, Cable only has two charges with his tel- uh, time traveling. One, he used the first one to get back in time, so only has one to go back forward. And Deadpool was saying, like, well, why not just go back even further? Why not just go kill this person and kill this person when they were a baby or this and that and the other thing? And, you know, the explanation is, well, he only used it twice. And the further he goes, the less stable it is and that kind of thing. And Deadpool's like, oh, lazy writing. But then at the end of the movie, after Negasonic Teenage Warhead has fixed the time travel device... Deadpool then uses it four times sequentially to save, uh, to save Vanessa, to save Peter, to save X Men Origins Wolverine from having a terrible Deadpool character, and to save himself from be- ever becoming Green Lantern. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I think if if you if your movie is so clever right that it can talk to the audience and explain to them what's happening it should also be clever enough to avoid the trappings uh, of a room, of another movie because i think you have that opportunity if you you can comment on poor lazy writing the way that the movie comments on other superhero movies uh, there's this uh, a point where he jokes that he was fighting a caped crusader kind of character and it all worked out, <laughs> they became friends, because their both their mother's names were both Martha, you know, obviously a pointed jab at Batman v Superman, but it's not lazy writing, because the ultimate, you know, that, what would be lazy writing is to have that joke, and then still have that thing happen in the movie, it doesn't, you know, Deadpool and Cable's parents aren't both named Martha, or mm-hmm. anything ridiculous like that, or Deadpool and Firefist, or anything so silly, uh, So, you know, that works fine. But then to say, this thing is lazy writing, but then still go through with it? It's still lazy writing. You haven't fixed anything. So, I don't know. These movies definitely have some issues. And I think maybe we can address them in X-Force or Deadpool 3 or whatever comes out next. But I think in in Deadpool 2, the biggest improvements are... Domino, and Cable, and the humor. I think the humor is better. I think you have a better supporting cast of Cable and Domino, and a better villain in Russell slash Firefist. He's not a great villain, but he's a better villain than Francis. So, all in all, for me, really enjoyable experience, a lot of fun. My theater was super loud, laughing a lot, which I I I thought was great, and... You know, I'm still looking forward to another one. I think Ryan Reynolds is good in, as Deadpool 2. As Deadpool. Uh, the opening credits. Oh, wow. The opening credits set to... Um, Ashes by Celine Dion. Which, if you haven't seen the music video, check that out. It's a, it's great. But the opening credits were awesome. Set, uh, Done James Bond 007 style, but with Deadpool. I thought it was hilarious. And... Yeah, it's just, it's a good time. It's a fun, it's a fun ride. It's a fun ride. There's a lot of, you know, you get to see Deadpool ripped in half by Juggernaut. That's terrifying. And the sequences where uh, Domino is just super lucky. I like those a lot. Like I said, I really wish she could get her own movie, but we'll see. Or at least just give her more to do in X-Force. That's all. Please. Uh yeah, so uh yeah so that's today's episode. I mentioned I maybe I have or I'm not sure if I have yet in any episodes that are already out. Um, but I'm going to Brazil on Wednesday. It's Monday. I'm releasing this episode Monday. Uh, I leave for Brazil on Wednesday. You will get the statistics episode for Deadpool two to come out on Wednesday. On Friday I've already recorded the 2014 Circle of Film Awards. Um, I have a, I have an episode lined up for Monday um, that will feature a guest, so keep an eye out for that. Next Wednesday, uh, I'm going to record an episode, statistics episode for the book club, statistics. Uh, Friday, next week, I've already recorded top 10 actors born in the 1910s, so that'll be exciting, that'll be fun. Following Monday, I'm going to put out a review episode for New film just coming out called Disobedience, starring Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdams. And uh, then another episode on Wednesday, and that's when I get back. Two Wednesdays from now, two weeks. So, not going to leave you guys empty, and uh, you'll be able to keep listening while I'm gone. So, uh, that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to support what I do and this show you can go to patreon.com slash film and um, contribute for as little as 8 cents an episode. That's right, 8 cents an episode. You can head over to the website Circlefilm.com to find tons of information, all the old episodes, and statistics, and top 10 lists, and data, and things like that over there. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can do that either through either on Twitter at circleoffilm or on email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. Always happy to hear from anybody. Uh, always looking for top movie lists from anybody. And uh, that's it. Thank you so much once again. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell. I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me. Even as she f-